Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola Podcast. This is podcast number 118, and I am your host and podcast commander, Joseph Martin. With me today, we have... Ayo, it's Coley. I came, ho- I came home from work where I talk about video games to come home and talk about video games. Hey, it's John. I stopped making videos about video games to go come and talk about video games. Yay. And it's time for the podcast. Who's excited for the podcast? I'm always I am. excited for the podcast. That's yeah, all right. Hey, Coley, do you know why you're especially excited for the podcast? No. It's because you get to introduce our first topic for today's podcast. A couple months ago, there were some game awards. I don't remember. I think we talked about it on a uh, past podcast. That's. I feel like we might have mentioned it like once or twice but there was recently there were another like game awards it was like the dice awards d-i-c-e which probably stand for something but i don't know what they stand yeah for. uh so yeah coley um just sort of like sh- showed us like the dice awards and i'm looking at the list of winners nintendo it's won all so them. it's so nintendo except one i think PUBG was the only game that was not Nintendo that No, Cuphead's more. also. Cuphead is also there, alright. I mean, like, some of the... Yeah, like, there's Cuphead. Uh, there's a couple ones. Uh, Senuna's Sacrifice. Senuna? Never heard of it. Or Senua? I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Um, what are the categories? Uh, we could, the Nintendo So you've award. got, like, Game of the Year, Breath of the Wild. Outstanding Achievement in Game Direction, Breath of the Wild. Outstanding Achievement in Game Design, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> immersive reality technical achievement lone echo echo arena uh i mean it's, yeah there's i mean there's some that seem a little well, there's a lot of like duplicates too um breath of the wild won like a bunch of stuff yes the thing is they're not wrong i honestly don't think they're wrong i mean uh, uh, i don't remember if metroid samus returns I don't know. I guess I can't really think of a lot of a lot of like high profile games that came out this year. Like, and I don't just mean like good games. I just mean like high profile games that came like out in general? this year. Yeah, like I'm having trouble like thinking of it. Well, I know. And I'm looking at these like other win- like there was Cuphead, and like I remember that. And Cuphead's got a couple things. On I these know. Awards. Last year, I don't remember how recent it was. I think I can't remember when it released, but Call of Duty World War Two was actually like. A pretty big deal. Like, people are like, oh my god, it's Call of Duty, they're returning to, like, the whatever Call of Duty does. And everyone was all excited about it, and I heard it did pretty well, and all that, but I don't see it, make, you know, getting any awards. Not to mention, um, I mean, there was also, there's also huge games like Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, um, Resident Evil 7, for, God, for God's sakes, had a lot, had, came out uh, early yeah, in the Horizon Zero Dawn is on here. Hell, Hellblade's newest sacrifice, which is basically like the samurai version of Dark Souls, which I hear was amazing. Um, but I haven't played that one myself, but but I really want to. But like, here here begs the question of, do you think that Nintendo deserves all these? I'm going to answer your question by not actually answering it. Okay. Was that like a super, like, no-brainer? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I think... That in wake of the Switch coming out, people may have held off on their hard hitters this this past year. Mm, I don't know, because there have been some really popular games that came out. Because I feel, there have been some, but I feel like not as much as 
usual. Like Dragon Ball. When did Z Monster fighters? Hunter? When did Monster Hunter come out? Monster Hunter just came out like January. The new Monster Hunter. January. Right. And Dragon Ball Z Fighters. I feel like in Dragon Ball Z Fighters was that last month too. Yeah, that was last month. Granted, most game, most huge games released this early in the year normally have like a December release, but are delayed. Maybe. I'm wondering if like maybe people held back a little bit because they didn't want to compete with this just like brand new thing that was sort of a wild card. I don't know. I've always given Nintendo credit to venture into the unknown, like things that haven't been done before. And this is most definitely something that has not been really done before, and it's been doing incredibly well for them. Here's the other thing. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out in, like, March. Of last year. Of that year. Of last year. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of the times, like, Game Awards are very, like, most of the games that win Game Awards are ones that come out near the end of the year. Because they're fresh in everyone's minds. That's part of why people release so many games in October and November is because it gets them, people enough time to play them just in time for all the game awards that happen at the end of the year. I will respectfully disagree with that because I remember when the Tomb Raider reboot came out, that was nominated for everything, and that came out in like in like March or February or something like that, along with like the Devil May Cry reboot that came out the same year, which got nominated for a bunch of gameplay stuff, story, story. Character-wise, everyone hated that one. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's exclusive that award shows exclusively had those games, but I'm saying that like the fact that the game that has so consistently won Game of the Year has been Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, like across the entire board, it's been way up there. May have people may have been like, hmm, let's wait until January, February, and March before we start showing off all of our stuff. Because now Nintendo's sort of, like, thrown out all their cards. And, mm. I mean, it's definitely not, at, this year so far has definitely not had as much, like, Nintendo spam as last year. I last mean, year it was, like, constant. Although I would agree, I mean, I think you're forgetting about an amazing title that is coming out next month, in the middle of next month, that I'm very excited for. Are you talking about Kirby? I am talking about Kirby Star Allies. <laughs> Kirby is a very good game, but I don't think it carries quite the same. It's not. It's not power Zelda. Punch that you know what though? Zelda and Mario. They've do. been posting like Nintendo has been posting so many Kirby tweets, like videos, and it just it looks phenomenal. I mean, yeah, they're ad. They're advert. I, I agree. It looks phenomenal. They're advertising it. But it does not, like, Zelda and Mario are games that are old enough that they can, even though they're still quote-unquote made for kids, um, in the sense that they're, they're usually, like, set to have, like, difficulty sort of implementations at the very least that make it so that it, they're very accessible to all age groups. Kirby is a lot more, you have to really know what you're doing with Kirby to get the challenge out of it, right? If you mm -hmm. just look at Kirby and just play it straight, it's going to seem like a baby game for babies because you can't fall into pits because you can fly. Mm -hmm. And there is challenge to be found in it, but you have to like know, like, oh, if I collect all the things, first of all, that will be a bigger challenge, and second of all, it'll unlock more challenging content. Mm -hmm. But if you, just, if you just see a Kirby game at face value without really knowing about it, yeah, it's an easy baby game for babies. <laughs> just try it. If, if your only goal is just to beat it. Just get from the title screen to credits. I don't think it's going to have quite the same, like, it's not going to dip into the same pockets 
that Zelda and Mario do. Kirby is very popular within Nintendo's fan base, but I don't think it extends beyond, like, core Nintendo fans nearly as much as Mario and Zelda do. Breaking my heart. So I don't think... And for, and additionally, that's one game. And that's sort of, like, the only really big one I can think of. I may be missing stuff. Um, I mean, Nintendo is exclusive. Well... Because um, remember, we had... Uh, we had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and Super Mario Odyssey, and Breath of the Wild, and Splatoon 2, and Fire the Fire Emblem game, or whatever. And <laughs> the Fire, yeah, whatever, whatever that was. <laughs> um, Xenoblade 2. Like, a lot. Well, I mean... I can't even remember all of them. There and, are... Uh, Kirby, I mean, Bayonetta just recently... I'm not saying there aren't games coming, they're not coming out, I'm just saying it's so much... And I don't mean it as a complaint, because I think they, they, the idea was to really hit hard this year. But now that we're getting into the next year, I think we might see more from companies of like, okay, now we don't have to compete with Nintendo's huge PR push that they're putting everything into. We won't have to spend as much money to be noticed. I mean... Whereas if you were trying to advertise a game last year to be noticed over Nintendo's like giant budgetary bet, that could have failed really bad if people hadn't bought Switches. You, you might not have been seen quite as... Mm, uh, that's the last part of the sentence. Didn't come together, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, I think you, you probably... If you're listening, you can probably tell where I was going with that. Anyway, Coley, what were you saying? There's still a lot of, like, big titles that are still, like, going to be coming out in the near future. Like, Hyrule Warriors is getting a definitive edition that is coming out sometime, I think, in spring or summer. Mario Tennis Aces is going to be coming out also in the spring. And you've got Donkey Kong, you know, what, Tropical Freeze? That's coming out in May. And then, I don't know how popular Scribblenauts is with people, but Scribblenauts um, Showdown is coming out as well on the 6th of March. So, But a lot of those are based off of things that have already gotten a lot of publicity most of those most of those are most of those are remasters yeah remaster aside from kirby all of those are remasters of ports which don't carry this quite the same amount of force as like i would say breath of the wild splatoon 2 uh xenoblade and mario odyssey i think and fire emblem like that's five big original games i mean I think, was fire emblem what was the fire emblem game fire emblem warriors fire emblem warriors what was oh is it yeah I mean, I guess that works with Hyrule, but like that was the first Fire Emblem version yes. of that, right? Yeah. This is this Zelda one is like a combination of the 3DS and the Wii U one, so it's not like a new game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's those games just with like all the DLC added into it. And the Mario Tennis is kind of, I say, kind of a new game because they're adding a story mode. I mean, yeah, but like it's also Mario Tennis, and it looks like a very good version of Mario Tennis. Well, it's still Mario Tennis, and that's not again, that's not going to dip into the pockets of the people who are who are who have other systems as much as I feel like Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey and a lot of the a lot of last year's content dipped into those same pockets. And I, th- I think now this year we're going to see a lot of game companies sort of try to come back uh, now that the Nintendo blast of marketing for the Switch too. Like I, I don't think I think just I, I don't think Nintendo can economically uh, continue to push the Switch as hard as they did last year. So I think it really is like a matter of marketing and business strategy <laughs> over uh, like necessarily game quality. 
not to say that the games aren't good, but like I think I think this whole past year was part of a really coordinated push by all of the markets of Nintendo to make the Switch as least of a Wii U as possible. <laughs> I mean, there are some like cool titles that are coming out for like um, Xbox, PS4, like uh, Red Dead Redemption Two is something that like everybody, everybody has been looking forward to, myself included. And then I think there's a new Far Cry. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption, Far Cry 5, um, God of War is supposed to come out this year. Yes. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The new Spider-Man game I can't wait for. But that <laughs> that's just me. What else am I missing? I know there's a crap ton that I'm missing right now. Uh, we already had Dragon Ball Fighters. So, yeah, I think I think this upcoming year we'll we'll see a bit less of a, of a landslide like we saw in conferences like dice and i think that nintendo like because you know award shows any award show not just video game ones uh come down to like who played what games you know and so like everyone heard about nintendo games everyone in the industry heard about nintendo games nintendo made sure about that oh right and i think that's why they're so represented in the game awards just like with a lot of games a lot of the time it comes down to how much advertisement and media coverage did they get and that, and then the game's quality is related, but it's not the only, and depending on the Game Awards, again, I'm not familiar with the internal uh, systems of uh, any particular Game Awards to the point where I would criticize any particular one, right. but you don't know what the internal structure is, and so it, it depends on what things are taken into account, and how wide a spread you have in the market, and who's talking to who, and all sorts of things, so... I, I would not be strong enough to say that Nintendo dominated because they were the only people who made good games. No, but look at what consoles came out. Like, you have the Xbox One X and the One S, and there really isn't, you know, I mean, although I would say, like, there is a difference, but not in the same way there was a difference between the Wii U and the Switch. All they really did with those is just like, hey, this has, like, 4K output, better processor, blah, blah, blah. And same thing with the PlayStation 4 Pro. It just looks, runs, you know, better, nicer. But it did. they didn't, like, hardcore reinvent themselves like Nintendo did. And I think that's also part of the uh, reason why they've gotten so much attention. They had a lot more to deal with. More creative direction than, than most yes. of them. And I mean, like, yeah, that, that's sort of, I feel like Nintendo's been going down this path for a long time of, like, all right, we can't keep up with the big guns who are pushing graphical quality. I don't think it's because they can't keep up. I'm damn sure they can, but they just don't want to. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, with make with their current design philosophy, they can't. Like, the way that they approach making games and making hardware, particularly making hardware that is accessible to young children, mm-hmm. i.e. parents of young children, they can't push... The graphical quality and their separation, sort of like what makes, quote-unquote, what makes uh, whatever console special, whatever its gimmick is. They can't do both and also provide a a console that's affordable to enough people. You know, like the Wii. Like, the whole thing with the Wii was that, like, part of the reason it was so popular was because it was just so much cheaper than the alternatives. I mean, even now Switch is still, you know, like, 300 bucks. It's one of the cheapest consoles on the market. And so, yeah, Nintendo's just, but then, like, the mobile market starts competing with the handheld market, and the the consoles, in terms of just pure graphical fidelity, 
the other consoles are beating them. So they just need to find their own niche and sit there and be like, ha, we're the only <laughs> ones doing this, so we're the best by default. I mean, don't they, like, already do that? Just because of, like, the games they release, you know, like, you know, the Mario and Zelda and everything. I already, I kind of feel like, in a sense, like, they already have that. And it's funny because sometimes when I'm at work, it kind of hurts when, um, like, a parent will come and approach me and they'll, like, like make some comment, like, when do you think my kid's gonna grow out of Nintendo? And I'll be like, uh, ma'am, I'm, like, gonna be 23 soon and I still play Nintendo. It's like, they might never grow out of it and it's honestly personal preference as to what games that they like. Yeah, I think Nintendo is, like, struggling to throw off its image as, like, a kiddie console's place or kiddie game place while also not losing the the children market. Like, they they definitely want to keep that market that they have, but at the same time, I, I'm sure they're looking to expand. Well, they're slowly working um, that's their why way. You see games, that's, see, that's, that's why I think you see games like Bayonetta. Yeah, and L.A. Like, Noir. That's a, yeah. like, that's definitely like part of their push to sort of, like, be like, yes, Imagine... children buy our thing, but also other people, please. If you, if you <laughs> buy your kid Bayonetta 2 on the Switch, you... <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Holy I mean, crap. I've seen people come in and buy Grand Theft Auto 5 for their kids. And it's I mean, true. Just, that's I mean, just obviously, a problem. But, yeah. That problem's existed forever. Forever, yeah. It's, yeah, no, parents don't look at the maturity rating levels. Either that or some just don't care. They just want their kids to be the popular kids in the block. Or they just want their kids to leave them alone. Like, and, too. you know, mommy didn't buy me this game. She's horrible. I don't know what kind of voice was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is with Nintendo, I think you said it before, they're just, like, they're trying to please both demographics. It's like, it's basically, like, when people, when people, like, talk about Star Wars and, like, how so many people are attached to it and how big and huge it is, it's still made for kids. No matter where, which way you look at it, Star Wars will always and still be made for kids. So, but... The appeal of it comes from a the story and and just and just the setting it appeals to audiences worldwide and of all ages. So and I think that's what Nintendo is doing because Breath of the Wild, yes, it's it's bright and colorful and yes, it mainly appeals to kids. But goddamn, is it a hard game? Any kid, any kid that play that plays that game is gonna get their bu- is gonna get their butt kicked. And even I know men, I know many adults who play who play who play that game like religiously, and they still get their butt kicked every now and then. I forget. So. Have uh, both of you played Breath of the Wild to some extent, or? Oh yeah, no, I played the uh, Wii U version. Okay. And I beat it. But like, you can still play it. Like, there's so much to do yeah. that, like, even oh, if yeah. you're not beating it, you can still play it very. Oh easy. yeah, of and course. That's... It's an easy, it's an easy pick up, pick up and play game. Like even if you you're a kid and you don't know what's going on or where to go, or whatnot, it's still just fun to walk around and just discover stuff. I mean, it it's gorgeous. Like I I just finished Breath of the Wild a couple days ago because I've been getting I've been getting ready for Kirby Star Allies. Like I've been going through <laughs> my games. I'm like, okay, what haven't I played? What have I started playing and dropped? I'm like, I need to get either most of the way through, or beat these games before Kirby Star Allies comes out, because that is all I'm going to be playing until I beat Kirby. And so I wanted to give Zelda a lot more love and more of my attention, because it deserved it. And I just had a blast playing it, 
and it's just, it's gorgeous, there's so much to do. If you don't want to, you know, do one thing, you don't have to do it. Like, you know, most of the stuff isn't necessary to beat the game. It's just, it's a wonderful game. It really is. And that was our review of Legend of Zelda, the Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> don't check your phone. You've got mail. It's time for fan mail. Hooray! Who's ready for fan mail? This month's fan mail comes to us from Dale Kulas. I'm going to pretend like that was me saying your name in a cool way and not that I wasn't 100% sure how to pronounce it. Um, And Dale writes, uh, What up, Game Cola? Just thought I'd pass along something the staff may be interested in. A couple times a year, I guest host a friend's podcast where they discuss a random retro game each week. I loved your Crystallis-themed D&D podcast series, and it inspired me to buy both the GBC and NES versions. They have been sitting in the backlog forever, though, until a few weeks ago when I was asked to come on again and pick what game to play. Uh, This past month, I picked away at Crystallis and finished it a couple nights ago and immediately started the GBC version right after. I had a blast breaking down the game on the podcast and discussing it with my friends and made sure to give your Crystallis cast a plug for everyone to check out. Here's a link for you guys if you're interested. What was that? I'm not gonna say the I'm not gonna say the link out loud. <laughs> it's like, are you like drowning or something? <laughs> Did you a, get drunk a, halfway through of... reading that email? <laughs> um it is it the the name of the podcast uh is uh your parents basement. Um, and it's episode 148, if you want to check it out. That's something that I did by myself that's not written in the email. Um, it's just a link. Um, and it says, Much belated thanks again to your excellent excellent D&D line of Crystallis shows to motivate me to try them out. Thanks for writing, Dale. It's always nice to hear that people are listening to the podcasts that we do, um, like the Crystallis D&D podcast and um, the Secret of Mana RPG cast that we're doing right now. Um, hosted by our very own Alex Jedrzak, where I play a little sprite that makes contemporary references. <laughs> Why does that seem so fitting for you? Yeah, that's the that's the 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 D and D podcasts are a lot of fun. Um, it's and it's also like it's definitely in right now. Like I don't know if you listen to podcasts, which you do because you're listening to the Game Cola podcast right now. <laughs> Only um, brought to you by GameCola.net. You've probably noticed that, like, D&D RPG podcasts are, like, the thing now. Like, even, like, the ones that we did, like, years ago have suddenly been getting a lot more attention. Just because, like, D&D podcasts and RPG tabletop podcasts are huge right now. You know, I I just want to, like, um, just add a little bit to that. Uh, D&D, I, like, never really, you know, I really started getting into it, like, last year when... A friend of mine was like, hey, you should totally play with us. And I was like, well, I've never played before, so you're going to have to hold my hand a little bit while I learn. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, totally cool. And um, I know, Joe, you missed the uh, the little mini session that Anna hosted the other night. And we had so much fun. D&D is just such a fun way to create memories and, you know, to to make new friends. Because I never really had talked with uh, James or Paul terribly much, and so this has like kind of given me a chance to be able to like get to know them a little bit better, and you know, also not to just get to know them, but also to get to know the characters better. 
just to clarify for the viewers, you are talking about James and Paul of Game of Game Cola fame, and not just yes. two people you know. <laughs> named James and Paul. No, those are just two random names we gave him. No, those are just like the first names that came to my head, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, we'll call him that." <laughs> Next time, I'm gonna refer. I don't actually know. Next time, it's gonna be um, can it's gonna be Nick, and I don't know Tommy. <laughs> So yeah, so looking, I'm looking at the the Google trends of Dungeons and Dragons, and there's a big spike around October of last year. Hmm, interesting. What happened October of last year? Is it? Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Was that when? Is did, it? Hold on, is it this? Didn't Magic the Gathering get a get an update, like a new expansion? card expansion pack or something around then you know what it was you know what it was what was it it was stranger things oh, oh stranger that's things right two came out then of yeah course. yeah that's right because yeah i know some people who made their own stranger things like a D tabletop game oh my god yeah that became that became really popular so like yeah i think a couple things aligned because they were also like I think some other D&D podcast, um, I think they're sometimes called actual play podcasts in general, when it's not just Dungeons and Dragons. Um, there's some actual play podcasts that, uh, that started getting popular around then. Um, I think the big ones off the top of my head are Dice Camera Action, uh, Critical Role, and The Adventure Zone. So yeah, I guess like, it's just, I, I, I mean, Maybe it's just one of those things where the stars align, because it's definitely been getting, like, popular. Like, there have been a lot of groups that have started forming on campus here. Like, I've got a group on campus, and then, like, one of the sisters of one of the people in my group is also in their own D&D group that formed around the same time. So, like, it's like, there's definitely, like, some kind of swing back, and maybe it is Stranger Things, like... Stranger Things, and then there also being, like, this huge underbelly of previously established material for people who are like, hey, I'm interested in Dungeons & Dragons. Look up, look up. Look at all this stuff that exists about yes. it. And then it's sort of, like, getting back. Because, again, like, when did we... We did that Crystallis D&D podcast, like, a while yeah, ago. Yeah, that was... Oh, my God. I was... I think I was still in middle school when I when I first saw that. I'd say that was like seven um, years ago. October 1st, 2012. Oh, jeez. The end of Six years ago. Uh, it's uh, five to six, because it was in October, yeah, okay. so it's like five and a half-ish. Uh, it's just interesting to me. Um, I mean, and like I, like, I can't speak as like, like, I'm not trying to sound like I'm someone who's like, oh... All these new people getting into this thing that I like. <laughs> I, I'm the same. Welcome. I started this like uh, October, basically. Um, I think part of it was Jenny and I doing talks about uh, different the next RPG cast to do because we we went through a couple of ideas and some of them we might come back to. We settled on Secret of Mana because we thought it would have we Jenny had a, some good ideas for it. Um, and we thought it would be interesting because, uh, Secret of Mana was getting a... Remake. A reboot. Yep. Remake sort of thing at the time. So, like, just people would... It would be in people's brains again. Um, and the, and then the format for it also makes for some really fun stuff. Since you've got, like, that three-character 
sort of thing. And it's interesting playing like pre-existing characters because usually in an RPG, like a tabletop RPG, you make up a character that is put into a prefabricated world. But we are currently playing interpretations of pre-existing characters. And I think that's that is an interesting thing to go with because then it's more like playing a role mm-hmm. and less like just playing yourself. I'm not to say that my style of humor does not very much inform the character choices of this sprite character, but it is it is as someone as I've having played like just original characters for different in different settings is uh it's a different way of thinking about it because it's not just what you want to do it's you've got to take what you have and make it into something fun so if you like D podcasts please stay tuned at gamecola.net <laughs> has anyone played the recent uh signature manor remake no cool. i mean i'm sure someone has i mean <laughs> Yeah, no one has played it ever. Oh, Sorry, Joe, you... <laughs> we, are, we already had a podcast where we kicked you out, so I don't think... We, I think If we do that again, we'll just seem stale at this point. You know, while we're on the subject of games, <laughs> but, like, not quite video games, um, <laughs> who here has played Betrayal at House on a Hill? Oh, my God. I, I've seen <laughs> I the, am so bad at it. I've seen the movie House on the Haunted Hill. It, that is such an interesting game. It really is. It is. I'm on, like, I enjoy playing it with friends. I'm not entirely sure I like it. <laughs> like, okay. I play it so much. I play it a lot, so, like, I don't know. But, like, so, so okay, for, for those of you who, who are unfamiliar, Betrayal at House on a Hill is a, uh, now, that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I should have explained D&D, but, like, I feel like that's <laughs> enough in the public consciousness that... It doesn't really need much explanation. Right, yeah. Um, but uh, Betrayal at House on a Hill is a tabletop game. I guess kind of a board game, but like, eh. Um, basically, you're you're in a house. Um, you move onto tiles, and like tiles, basically, you draw room card or room tiles that like make the house randomly as you explore it. There's different things that happen, but the main mechanic is that after you explore enough of the house, um, a haunt starts, and depending on what room your character is in. And what, like, haunt card, it's called an omen card, but, like, a certain card in a certain room gives you a certain haunt where one of the characters usually um, becomes a bad guy. The traitor. And then it becomes the traitor, the betrayer. And then they do, they have a goal and you have a goal and it becomes you versus them. So it starts out collaboratively and then becomes some kind of competition. So... It's, like, at the beginning, like, you know, you're all, like, yay, let's, like, work together. Halfway through, it's, like, all right, we have to make the haunt roll. And every time, it is, like, suspenseful. Like, oh, my God. And it's, like, okay, you failed. And it's, like, oh. And, like, everyone's, like, just heart sinks. It's, like, please not me. Please not me. And then when you, like, oh, so-and-so is it. And you're just, like, sitting there, like, when it's you, you're, like, well... Yes, I lose. I've never won as the traitor. I've always lost. I never know what I'm doing. Here's my issue with it. Like, some of the haunts, just, like, depending on if you're playing with a few people or with a lot of people or, like, how much of the house you've explored, some of the haunts just, like, end up not being fun. Like, we did one oh, yeah. um, yesterday where 
basically, like, I won't spoil it, because half of this game is, like, not being spoiled because you don't know what a haunt is, and, like, there's, like, the trader doesn't have the same information that the players does, so I won't, like, spoil this particular one. But the basic idea was that we all had to get into certain rooms in a certain order in order to defeat the trader. But because there were five of us, um, there's six maximum players, there were five of us, and we explored so much of the house, we could just get into all the rooms on the first turn. It was, and so it was over, like, in two turns. So I think instead, my, my personal, uh, idea would be that instead, uh, I mean, like, you can't, obviously, you can't backwards engineer it at this point. But what I would have done is have the style of haunt be contingent on either, like, the amount of players playing, or like have some relation to the amount of players playing, or how much of the house has been explored, so that you could tune the haunt to like what was going on, rather than try to make one that's fun no matter what, because a lot of the times they're just like incompatible. I don't know though, like it's pretty cool, like some of the things that you can do though, like you get like items and just a lot of stuff can happen, like each character has different stats and, you know, all of that jazz. And so each time you play is, you know, can be pretty different, especially since you make the house as you go. But, I mean, it's still, every time the traitor is found out, just the whole entire mood of the game changes a lot. Uh, why don't we move on into games we've been playing? Uh, I'm gonna start, because <laughs> I can decide that. I've been playing Advanced Wars 2. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, I found the old cart uh, in my stuff, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun than the first one. Um, partially because in the first one, you only got to play... Advanced Wars is like, if you played Fire Emblem, it's a similar uh, sort of system, except instead of fantasy, it's military. Basically, you're given units. Um, you can also build units in certain maps. Uh, and you have these military units, like, uh, basic, uh, ground troops to, like, tanks to planes to boats, and you just, like, you know, try to capture objectives or, like, do certain things. It depends on the story mode. But, uh, in the first game, you got to pick, like, a, a, a CO, a commanding officer, that, uh, like, had a special ability that could be used partway through the game. And, like, there's ways to charge up your super meter and whatever. But, like, in the first game, during the story mode, you only got to play, like, one of three of the protagonist country's COs. And so it wasn't quite as interesting. But now they let you play as, like, all the different countries. And so it's a lot more engaging. Instead of having a, a an opponent whose, like, abilities just constantly change and you don't know what to expect, instead you are presented with similar but slightly more difficult situations as you move through the game, but different tools to accomplish goals that you are familiar with. And I think that works a lot better than do the do the same thing over and over again, but the bad guys can punch you in ways that you weren't expecting. I don't know, it's, it's, I've, it's engaging, because I have both, and it's just engaging me a lot more than the first one did. It also, I haven't had a chance to use this, but... Advanced Wars has this really cool, uh, like, map builder multiplayer thing where you can just build a map and then play against someone with it. Like, you can just do it. And it's very in-depth. You basically can make pretty much anything that already exists, except for, like, weird story stuff. Like, sometimes the bad guys get, like, a giant cannon that's, oh, like, you can't just give that to someone. 
but like most of the maps you can just recreate. It's funny because there's one level in Advance Wars 2 where they try to come up with a plot reason for it, but it's basically just like a map where someone just like put random stuff everywhere, and it's really fun to like play on a map that isn't just like, oh yes, this makes sense to put this here, and these mountains make sense here, and it's like, no, it's just spam, and they made a level out of it, and it's a lot of fun. I don't know, have either of you played this game? What is it for? Uh, Game Boy Advance. No, never. Hence the term Advance Wars. Yeah. Every game on the Game Boy Advance had the word Advance in it somewhere. Because <laughs> it's the Game Boy Advance. But I'm cheap. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Joke, joke is dead. <laughs> John, save the joke. What games have you been playing? Um, I recently uh, found a pawn shop nearby, near campus, where they sell a whole collection. So you were able to complete your chess set? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> they sell a whole collection. They sell a bunch of stuff. Movies, comics, and a crap ton of video games from, from like, any generation. And I picked up, like, I splurged and I picked up um, all three of the original uh, Lord of the Rings video games. Um, that's being Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King, and Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, which I've heard good things about, but I've not played that yet. So far, I've only been able to play uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and it's cute, as I would say. I, it's really weird because that one is not movie licensed, but the other two are for some reason, despite it coming out a year, like a year after the first movie. So I don't know what what happened there. I think like two companies had right had rights and whatnot, and so after like after like the second and third movies came out, EA got like got the license to make to make movies based on the make games based on the movies. So the first one was just based on the book and couldn't use any stuff from mm-hmm. the movies. Is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Same thing with the first uh, Hobbit game. I think there was one on, on that on the on like the GameCube and Xbox also, but that was just based on the books. Uh, but yeah, the Fellowship of the Ring is a, it's a cute game. Um, so far I've only got, I haven't played too much of it, but what I can gather is you just wander around Middle Earth going from environment to environment. Like every level is divided, is divided into a, a different section of Middle Earth. Uh, first level is obviously the Shire where you're just wandering around doing chores for people. And it's cute. It's, it's pretty cute so far. I don't, and then as soon as you like go off in your journey, the the Nazgul come after you, and it's this turns suddenly turns into the scariest shit in the world, <laughs> trying to avoid these basically death eaters on horses. <laughs> and if you get caught, they they growl at you, and they're and they're like and they're huge voices like surrender the ring. I'm doing a terrible impression right now, but yeah, it's pretty scary. It's a turns into a into a neat little uh, stealth game after a while, especially if you're on like the hardest difficulty or what. Or and whatnot. So it's like a it's like a third person like, yeah. sort of Yeah, it's a third person action adventure. Action adventure yeah. It's kinda open world you but sort not of go really. from like level to level that has like different story connections. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure um the back of the box shows you uh playing as Gandalf and whatnot, so I'm pretty sure Frodo is not the on- is not the only person you can play as. And the voice acting's really good. Um a lot of familiar voices are are attached to it th- that I recognize. Um, I don't know my name. I don't know my names, but I just know the voices I've heard a lot because uh, the person who plays who voice acts Gandalf, voice acts uh, Professor X in the uh, in the Marvel video in the X Men video games. It seems really well. It seems really well made for its time. It's the original Xbox version, so the graphics look a little iffy. 
I remember seeing screenshots of the PC and PS2 versions where everything was way more detailed, uh, texture-wise. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it for right now. Can't wait to play that Indiana Jones game. Kali! <laughs> what video games have you been playing in recent times? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I've, I've also kind You've of You've been... had the most time to think. <laughs> you win last! <laughs> um, I've also kind of been buying... A lot of, like, older games, but I haven't really been playing them. I've been streaming on Twitch more, so the most recent game that I actually played and also beat was a game called Cat Quest, which is available on Steam and also on Switch. It is a RPG where you're a cat, and your goal is to save your sister by defeating dragons. So, if you like puns, then this is definitely the game for you. There's Tons of cat puns littered in it. Not even kidding you. They're everywhere. Like in almost everything of dialogue, there's at least a cat pun somewhere. Um, that sounds perfect. It da, is perfect. Da, 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 da. So there's that. And then I will recently beat uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. But I'm not going to talk too much about that since everyone pretty much... You know, we've talked about it before. We talked about it a lot this uh, podcast. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that one. But... I have been playing Mario and was Rabbids. It, was you beating it the reason that you posted like a million clips on Twitter? <laughs> yes. You posted well, so many things. I so know. many. I, I could know. not watch them all. My phone broke because <laughs> it was like, there's too many videos. Your phone Twitter, broke? Crash the now. battery didn't die. Your I'm phone so physically so broke. Twitter, Twitter basically just froze. And I couldn't it's... scroll past it because each time it was a new video and Twitter's like, now nah, I gotta load this one. Now nah, I gotta load this one. Well, okay, it was a combination of all of my playing. I just would forget to upload things to Twitter after I was done. And then when I got like to the end or was like, oh, I wanted to upload stuff, I was like, wait, there is all this other stuff I forgot to upload. I'll just do it all now. Oh my God. So I was just uploading it all and i was like oh my god like i'm so sorry for people who follow me on twitter because i just like blew up your timelines there a little bit but you weren't actually sorry because you did it i kept doing it <laughs> so i recently started playing mario and rabbit's kingdom battle mm. and as good as people said it was surprisingly good you mean XCOM? honestly you mean xcom with colors as other people say I was really surprised, to be honest, because I thought it was kind of just going to be like, okay, well, when you finish one stage, you go to the next stage, and you go to the next stage, and then you win. But there is actually a lot of exploration in between. So you have one fight, and then you kind of walk around and explore until you get to the next fight. So it's actually, it's a lot of fun. I really like the uh, design that they went with and they chose. I'm not really too fond of the Rabbids, but they're annoying and they're supposed to be that way. Um, they're supposed to be funny, but they do a really bad job at it. Um, but it's still... They're the minions before the minions. Right. That's exactly what I've heard other people say. But I mean, it's still like a really fun game. I really like it. I'm glad I got it. Um, like I said, it wasn't exactly what I was expecting it would be. So that's also really cool. So uh, the the like little in between segments of Mario and Rabbids are those actually like fun? Like I don't know. For me, it sounds like oh, in between the levels, I gotta like walk around for a while and walk into I coins mean, for a while and find a bunch of just stuff it's around not just coins. It's like oh, hey, look, I could get a new weapon 
buy like there's you know the like the red coins thing they have that in between levels so you find the like the red ring and then you go find the coins and you are timed i actually did not know that because it doesn't like do a timery sound like it used to it only does it like when they're about to disappear and i'm just walking along i'm like yeah there's no time limits i'll just take my time and then i started hearing it and i'm like oh no where's the eighth one (laughs) and then i didn't find it and i had to go redo it so okay so there's more to do than just walk into coins and yes uh, like there's uh switches that you can flip to unlock certain areas so you can get more stuff. There's cannons that can blast you off to little, like, areas. Like, there's this one blue cannon that when you go in it, it takes you to this one room with a ton of blue coins, and you have to get all of them in the time limit. If you do, you get something. So, yeah, there's there's more to it than just, like, literally walking around, finding coins, going to the next one, and then walking and finding coins, and then going to the next one. And then promise last one, I remember the name as I was telling you that it's Graceful Explosion Machine. So mm, you're a little graceful, rocket chip. Ex- gracefully exploding. Yes. It's, it's I can't it's not like too expensive. It's like um it's just your little spaceship and you shoot like bad little baddies and you get different weapons. Like you got a missile, you got a um like a little blaster you get, like, um, this, like, laser thing, and you have, like, a more melee thing. So there's a lot of different options to beat up the little baddies with. It's a lot of fun. It's very colorful, too. Woo! <laughs> that was it. <laughs> End of explanation of graceful explosion. That's sheet. the games we've been playing. Yeah. Um, are we ready? Are we ready to wrap things up for the, for the night? It's, yeah. it's a, very late. <laughs> We're it's a little very sleepy. late. I'm We're, just, I'm just actually here. I'm just gonna hold on. Just, just uh, uh. We're all overworked and underpaid. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yes. Big mood. Big mood. Well, Joe's dead. Thanks for. Thanks for. Thanks, thanks for listening to the Game Cold podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard, yeah, you can like and subscribe. You can follow us on, you know, game. You can go to gamecola.net. And look up other articles and podcasts that we do on our actual internet website, GameCola.net. Or you can uh, you can check us out on our YouTube channel. Yeah. GC. Uh, GC.net. The, uh, the letter G, G. The letter C, C. The word dot. The word. And the word net. John. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm trying to help <laughs> you out. He's too sleepy. He's, you're too sleepy. I'm already Joe, doing the thing. Joe, you don't. Go, go you bed. don't you're too need tired. to. I'm Joe, do you doing want me to tuck you in? I bet if they're listening to I'm this in the middle of the day, they're so confused right now. <laughs> I'm doing. It's fine. Don't worry. It's, I'll the, tuck we've you got, in, Joe. It's fine. We've got face. Thank you. We've got Facebook. That's very comfy. Uh, <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, social media. You can follow us there. And you can see all the cool stuff that we post about on those things. You can talk to Anna, our social media trash queen. That's the name she picked for herself. You can talk to her. She's nice. <laughs> she's nice. You should talk to her. Um, I think he's actually drunk right you can now. Follow us on Twitch. You can follow us on Twitch. You can follow us on itunes yes you can listen to podcasts on itunes like the game cola podcast and if you like it you can rate it five entire stars Ooh. that adds and, up to a 10 and you should you can share us share us with your friends you know maybe you're listening to this podcast 
as you're getting ready to go to bed like I am right now, going to <laughs> you're bed. You're not listening to it. You can, you, can, you can share it. I'm listening as I'm talking. <laughs> you have to do both. Uh, you can share it with a friend, and they can also listen to it as they go to sleep. And it's very nice. Podcasts are great for that. And you can especially listen to this part, where I'm very sleepy, and so it'll make you and your friends sleepy. Where Joe does ASMR. It's not ASMR. This would be, this would be <laughs> ASMR. Hold on, I have to smack my lips a little bit more. <laughs> Oh my god. This has been the Game Color Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. What is happening? I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna cut some of that out because it probably sounds pretty terrible. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Make it a game call. Leave that part in. Leaving that part in. Good night. Good night. Good night. See you see you next month. I'm gonna sleep until then. Good night. Bye. Bye. something real quick what you looking up i'll see if it's interesting first (laughs) (laughs) fair game color podcast discovering topics on the fly i can cut things out john (laughs) no let's keep this in